is everyone this morning? Thank you. Good, good. Can I share a, a little experience I just had? Um, I think it's funny. So I'm here wrestling with the Lord in the front row about some stuff, you know, and okay, what should I, blah, blah, blah. And uh, <laughs> okay if I share with you. So Jen comes over and she gives me this, this word. I just feel like this is what the, God's, the Lord is saying to you. And um, <laughs> this, <laughs> my reaction was, you're a jerk. <laughs> Not because she's a jerk, because she was so right on. You ever have that happen? You ever have the Lord come and just slap you across the face a little bit? And you need that. It was a good, it wasn't a, a bad word. It was very encouraging. So um, I just want to encourage you that I'm going to try to follow what I believe my friend encouraged me, and, and she didn't even know it, to do this morning um, and where we're going. I knew um, at the end of November, whenever Pastor Justin asked me to preach this Sunday, I knew that I was supposed to preach out of one particular chapter, and that's Acts chapter 2. Um, and I've literally probably been wrestling in a good way with God for um, two months about what that would look like. And um, there's a slight possibility that what I share to this service may be a bit different than first service, so if this isn't your cup of tea, you can always try the first one and see if that was any good. Um, but I want to give you my story as we kick off. When I was about 13, I had a radical encounter with love that changed my life. Um, I, I came from a church background, a, 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 a liturgical church background, um, but if I was going to be honest, it was, it was pretty dead. Not, not to point fingers, but in my own life. You ever have that? You ever have that experience? Sometimes it's just kind of dead. It was just dead. And then I had this encounter with the Lord that changed everything. And then, so I met Jesus, right? I met Jesus in this encounter with the Lord, just me and him. Um, and then I have this encounter with one of his followers. And at the time, you know, when you're 13, people that are 35, you, you think they're like near death. You know, whatever. It's just, she was probably in her late 50s. I thought she was super old. Um, now that I'm 41, I think completely different. Um, and I met this lady who was a follower of Jesus, and I watched Jesus all over her. And I thought, my goodness. Here I have this encounter with Jesus, and now I see someone filled with Jesus that looked and acted completely different than anybody that I knew. And then, over the next couple of years, she began to open up the scriptures with me, and we'd look at parts of the Bible like we're going to look at today, and I'd see God do crazy things. Like, anybody ever read stories in the Bible and honestly say to yourself, that's insane? Like, that's crazy. I would love to see that person rise from the dead or that person's arm grow out. Anybody, is it just me? Anybody ever not read it like a documentary, but you read it and you're like, man, I'd love to see that. You ever have that experience? And I can remember, I can remember saying to her, I wish I lived in Jesus' day to see that. And her response was, this is, this is the truth, her response to me was, Tom, you came to the Lord earlier than I did. You're going to see him do more than I've ever seen. Amen. And that became the truth of my life. Because I looked at what the Bible has for um, these great stories of men and women of faith in the Bible and their great exploits. And I realized God's not wanting us to golf clap them and say, wonderful job. He's saying, this is what Jesus look like, looks like in somebody. Put them on. I want my church to look that way. And as we dig into Acts chapter 2 this morning, I want us to go with that heart to say, God has something for me this morning. Whether this is your first time at church, and some of this may look a little crazy, I'm not going to lie, but it's a good crazy. 
or you've been at church almost your entire life and you're kind of bored, I want to believe that today is the end of the boredom. Because when the Holy Spirit met me as a teenager on an old lady's couch, she wasn't that old, everything in my life changed. How I looked at life changed and what I saw God do all the time changed. And I began to go after stories that I saw in the Bible as good stories, I began to go after them and said, if God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, if he did that back then, then he's interested in doing it today and he wants to do it tomorrow. And if he did it through them, he's no respecter of persons, he'll do it through me. If you're old enough to accept Jesus into your heart as your personal Lord and Savior, then you're old enough for the Holy Spirit to move powerfully in your life. And dare I say, it's unfortunate, but many of the great exploits of the faith are done by young people. Amen? Amen. All right, here we go. Acts chapter 2. Where am I? Do you know there's a great author, A.W. Tozer. He said this. I love Tozer. If anybody knows him, um, I just love what he has to say. He talked about, he said, the greatest event in history was the coming of Jesus Christ into the world to live and to die for mankind. We agree on that? Pretty easy. It's low-hanging fruit. We agree that's the greatest event. Then he goes on to say this. He says, the next greatest event in history was the going forth of his church. And that's me and you. The Holy Spirit coming upon the people of God and then God sending them out in power just like he sent Jesus out. What if Jesus... His ministry not only was a ministry to come to reconcile us to God, because that's obviously the, the high point. That's, that was the reason he came, to reconcile us to God. But what if he wasn't just a guy, a God guy, who did things that we get to golf clap, but what if every encounter of love that he had with people, where the Holy Spirit poured out into people's lives, was actually his invitation for us to do the same, because we're called or he's called the firstborn among many brethren. How many know families tend to look alike? That, that, that's the goal. All right. So let's read this uh, Acts chapter 2. We're not, actually, I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, one of the things that I think before we get to Acts chapter 2, I want, I want to kind of embed in my own heart as to why this is um, important, is this thing. And now, I, I'm not a theologian, so feel free to disagree with me. You're probably right. I, when I looked, when I looked in, the, in the Bible, I think I saw one, um, maybe two, but I think one reference in the Old Testament to the virgin birth of Jesus. And then we had a couple more references through the Christmas story um, of that in the New Testament. But I think there's like three it's like two or three, something in there, of, of, of references to Jesus' virgin birth. Um, what I'm, I want to explain, or I want to share, which is kind of a life-giving thing to me, was one of the roles of Jesus in the New Testament is actually shared four times. Now, that doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean one's more important than the other because that's not the case. It just means it's important. When, when the Lord repeats something, when he, he wants it before our eyes, right? How many know that Jesus had titles? He's a savior. He's a healer. He's a deliverer. He's a soon-coming king. Those are the, when I used to work at the Christian Missionary Alliance Church, that was their four kind of tenets. Anybody else have like a name of Jesus that, that means something to you? Somebody said something. Prince of Peace. Anybody else have anything else? Abba Father. What else? 
Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides, all right? There's tons of names of God. I, I, Googled, I Googled the names of God. I read a bunch of lists, and the, this role, this, this name that we're going to look at today, I've, I didn't find in any lists because I don't think possibly we might not value it like we should. In the beginning of every gospel, there's a guy named John the Baptist. Remember him? John the Baptist, the guy that kind of dressed in camel's hair, ate locusts and honey. He was a bit of a crazy guy, crazy for God. And in each one of the gospels, he said this. In Matthew 3.11, he says, I baptize you with water for repentance. But after me, think about that. Think about listening to his voice. But after me comes one who is more powerful than I am, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. And he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. That's a, that's a role he was saying, I want you to know there's one coming after me who I don't, I'm not even worthy to touch his shoes. He's going to baptize you. He's going to immerse you in the Holy Spirit and fire. Every one of the Gospels says this. Mark 1.8 says, I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. I'm just going to kind of move through these. Luke 3.16, Jesus, or John answered and said to them, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I will come the straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. Read this with me. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Now do me a favor. Let's read that again. But change the word you to me. He will baptize me with the Holy Spirit and fire. I want to propose to you that is a role, a critical role of Jesus in the New Testament church, is that he has a desire to baptize us, to immerse us, with the Holy Spirit and fire. I think that's good news. And John 1.33 says this, And I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me. I just wonder how that conversation went. You ever think about that? John, who, is the father talking to him? Like, what's happening here? The one who sent me told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. Every one of the Gospels labels Jesus as the guy who will baptize us in the Holy Spirit. Jesus, in his own ministry, talks about that baptism as the promise of the Father. Do you remember that? On multiple occasions. And as we kick off 20, 21, I want to encourage us that I think the Lord wants to highlight this in our own hearts, in our own minds, and in his church, that we are to be a church filled with the Holy Spirit and fire. Amen? Amen. Baptism simply means this, to be immersed, dunked, to go under. That to be baptized in water, you go under water. To be baptized in the Holy Spirit, you just get, go under, under the Holy Spirit. You get, you get filled up to overflowing. So let's jump right in. It's, it's Acts chapter uh, 2. This week, just so you kind of know what, what I want to do, I want to take us through what this whole outpouring thing means to the Old Testament, or to the first church, as well as what's available to us. So we're going to read the first half of Acts chapter 2. And then I want to talk next week about what, what that produced in the church. It produced something that was radical, that I don't think, I'm, 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 I'm positive, we haven't as a church got back to that yet, but I believe the Lord wants to restore it. Um, so I'm excited about that. So chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place, and suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. 
they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues. Doesn't that sound like a good time? I don't even, nobody was expecting that. Nobody had any idea what was going to happen. They get together for a prayer meeting and God shows up. I just want to encourage us on this one that um, just like people, they and us, had an encounter with Jesus, they also had a subsequent encounter with the Holy Spirit. They could name, they could name the day when this happened. It's an interesting thought. So the first thing as we go through this chapter is that the Spirit is poured out on believers. The second thing, I'm not going to read this, but it's, it's verses 5 through 8. The believers begin to speak in tongues. And all the people that are surrounding in Jerusalem came from all these different cities and nations, heard them speaking in their own language, and said, how is this possible? They had a supernatural outpouring of the Holy Spirit, followed by a supernatural manifestation of tongues. Now, tongues has been divisive in the church, and people believe this, that, and the other. I, I pray in tongues. I believe that tongues is important. I believe that tongues is strengthening. If, if that's a stumbling block to you or that's a, a, a frustration, I just want to encourage you to pursue God. The first book of Corinthians, I think it's chapter 14, 1, says that we are, we are to pursue spiritual gifts. Desire, earnestly desire, it says, spiritual gifts. Go after it. There's nothing holding you back. If that's something you say, hey, I've never had that experience and I'm looking for it, I want to give you the freedom to go to the Father and say, yeah, God, your word says I get to desire it. I'm going to go after it. Now, here's what's divisive about it is we take that, little, that thing and we, we, we try to say, well, that's the, if you don't speak in tongues, you're not baptized in the Holy Spirit. And those words I don't find in the New Testament. I don't. If I was going to hang my hat on anything that would be the greatest proof of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I would actually hang it. And this is just me personally, my personal theology, not on tongues, as, as amazing as that is, and I love the gifts of the Holy Spirit, yet yea, God on all of them. I would hang it on unity. When the Holy Spirit came out and poured out on the church, this ragtag group of people came together in unity in such boldness that it changed everything. And that's actually what next week is all about. You know what the effect, he, if, he's a, if he's a baptizer of the Holy Spirit in fire, do you know what the effect of fire is on the church? It's unity. The fire of God begins to burn out of us everything that doesn't look like Jesus. So he takes a group of people with mixed backgrounds, with mixed socioeconomic classes, mixed political views. He burns out everything that doesn't look like Jesus. He allows us to remain different, but we all together begin to shine Jesus and look like Jesus together. Amen. He doesn't make us uniform. He doesn't make us the same. He takes a bunch of different people, right. gets rid of the junk, and makes us look like Jesus. Right. That's the power of the fire of God. And I want to encourage us that I believe that's what the Lord wants to do in New Life Church, but in His church in 2021, is that the fire of God would come on the church, and we would have a great encounter where He would just make us look like Him. Wouldn't that be good? Amen. I think that'd be good. All right. So Peter then gets up, Peter then gets up and he, he explains to the people, right? The power of God comes down, first four verses. They begin to speak in tongues and everyone's like, hey, I, I hear him speaking in my language. How is this possible? Peter then gets up and preaches and says what? If, um, if you're tracking along, I'm not going to necessarily read it, but verses 14 through 21, he actually says, these people aren't drunk like you think they are. That is significant. We, we laugh about that verse, but that is significant that sometimes the Holy Spirit will come on a people and let's just say, they possibly don't look like we think they should look. Can we just leave it at that? He said, they're not drunk like you think they are, but they're actually filled with the Holy Spirit. What you're looking at 
is actually what was prophesied back in Joel. Prophet a few hundred years before prophesied and said, in the last days I will pour out my spirit, says the Lord, on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. And he goes into this prophecy about what the heart of God is for pouring out his spirit on his people. And what I love about the prophecy is he says, in the last days. Peter said that 2,000 years ago. He said, in the last days. And by the way, he said, we're in the last days. If he was in the last days 2,000 years ago, I would like to propose we're still there. <laughs> it, did, it, did, it didn't get any sooner. We're, we're still in the last of the last days, which means what? It means that this prophecy in Joel chapter, I think it's two, if it was valid for the church in the first century, it's valid for you and I. Isn't that true? What is the heart of God for his church? He wants to pour out his spirit on all flesh. That's what the scripture says. In a culture in the first century church where women really weren't that valued, it even says your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men, your old men, they'll dream dreams and have visions that my church is to be a place filled with the supernatural activity of God. Now as a side note, one of the things I like to remind people is what, when we look at like the, the gifts of the Spirit and the supernatural activity, of all that kind of stuff, I always like to say, like, what is the point of that? I honestly believe the point of that is to love people well. I've, I, growing up, I didn't think that all the time, and so sometimes I would just be weird with it. You ever, you ever run across weirdos? Let's just be honest. Sometimes we're weird. Until you realize, no, no, God's supernatural power is to love people well, love them into the kingdom, bring restoration, and help them get back to the Father. But he says, I want my church to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I want it to be poured out on them. I want them to have dreams and visions. I want them to prophesy. That's everybody. I want them to go after what's available in the book. This book is filled from the front to the back with people in the Old Testament who on occasion the Spirit of God would come upon for a purpose. And in the New Testament, he says, you're going to be filled and I'll, you'll be my temple and I'll never leave you nor forsake you. We look, at, we look at a Moses who the Spirit of God came upon or a, an Elijah the Spirit of God would come upon for different things. And, and I do, I do, I, I, I'm excited. I can't wait to get to meet those guys in heaven and have conversations. But I think they can't wait to meet us and say, what was it like to have the Spirit of God live in you? <laughs> what was it like to be filled as a church and you'd come together and the Lord would come into his temple as a people? And it wasn't about stones it wasn't about bricks and mortar it was about the people of god coming together and he would fill the temple i just wonder so today i just want to encourage us in in in, in this that acts chapter 2 is for us it's the gift that the father has for his church he wants to pour out his spirit on us now maybe you've never had that experience before Maybe you've never gone down there. You've never invited the Holy Spirit and they did a few things. You can write these down if you want. A guy named Derek Prince was helpful to throw these uh, together. He's an old timer. I tend to like reading old dead guys. He was an old British guy. Um, and he had seven kind of stepping stones on the path to, to receiving the Holy Spirit. And I just have a few minutes before we celebrate communion together and I want to go down that road. The first one is repent. Acts 2.38 says repent and be baptized every one of you. In the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins and, he will, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You've got you to be a Christian. You have to have come to faith in Jesus. That's the first thing. Amen? 
part of that same verse, which is the second thing, is you've got to be baptized. God, God's looking for obedient people. Now, if I'm going to tell you the truth, every time I give lists of this is how you do it in the seven ways, God always blows my box out of the water. I was baptized in the Holy Spirit before I was actually baptized in water. That was out of ignorance, uh, long story short. But anyhow, the Lord works with us, amen? But I want to encourage you if, you, if you've made Jesus the Lord of your life, get baptized in water. Go for it. It's super important. Be obedient to the Lord. And it gets that, it fulfills the scripture. He says, repent and be baptized. The third thing is the scripture I read at the end of um, worship is just being thirsty for the things of God. Jesus said, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Some of us, and I know this to be true, some of us might have gone through what you would describe as a drier season in 2020. Amen? It, it was rough. I think the Holy Spirit wants to stir up a thirst in you again to realize that there's a river that doesn't even come from without. He says it actually comes from within. The Holy Spirit in you will become a river of living water to bring refreshing to you in 2021. That's number three. Number four, come to Jesus. That same verse says, if you're thirsty, Jesus says, come to me. Why? Because he's the baptizer and the Holy Spirit in fire. That's uh, John 7, 37. Number five is ask. Luke eleven thirteen 13 says, if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? It's a simple principle, but we have not because we ask not. You gotta ask him. God, I'll, and one of my favorite prayers is, I have two favorite prayers. One is, I'll, I'll have everything that you want from me. Or I'll see something in scripture and I'll just say, God, I want that. I see an outpouring in Acts chapter 2, I want that. Do that in me. Sometimes, this is a little less um, religious, but it's true, I'll be around somebody, without naming names, but there's a whole bunch of people in this church that are like this, that just seem to, you ever see those people, you just feel like you could squish them and they drip the Holy Spirit? They just have God moving all over the, I'll be like, God, I want what she's having. That's my prayer. Lord, I'll have what he's having. Whatever he's drinking, I want that. Give that to me. Maybe that doesn't sound um, (laughs) spiritual enough for you, but that's an actual prayer I have. I ask the Lord for that. So we have to repent, be baptized, thirst for the things of God, come to Jesus, ask him. And here's the part I, I shared a little bit about, which was just this. Sometimes in our wanting to do well and our wanting to obey the Scripture and our wanting to get everything in our ducks in a row, um, I miss God. You ever do that? You ever, you ever do everything and you just, you end up missing God. I probably do that way more than you guys even know. You get, you get like things in your head and you want, well, and I, I brought this up at worship because it, it, is, it is a truth. Sometimes God speaks to us in the natural so that we can understand principles in the spirit. And I don't know about you, but it's very hard to talk while you drink. And if Jesus invites us in to take a drink, I want to encourage you, it doesn't look like praying. That might sound weird. Pray all you want. I'm a, I'm a prayer. Pray. That's, what, that's where the asking comes in. That's where the coming to Jesus comes in. But you have to take a moment where you actually realize I am a spirit first. I have a soul and I live in a body. I'm a spirit first. So I'm going to engage with God spirit to spirit. And just take in all he has for me. That's a hard one sometimes for us, especially as Americans and if you're an adult. Kids love that. They'll eat that up all day long. 
They'll, they'll drink and they'll inhale and they'll do whatever you want and God will touch them. Um, but us, sometimes as adults, we've got we to get past this thing. And the, the, the last thing, verse, or the last step, seven, is yield your members to God. That's what the scripture says in um, Romans six thirteen. It says yield your members, the parts of your body, to the working of the Holy Spirit. I'm a, I'm a huge fan and advocate for all that the Holy Spirit has. When I look through the Bible, I see expressions of when the Holy Spirit comes upon a people that there's usually an expression that happens from the people, a response. Three of them I'll give you. Acts 4, um, the people got together, they, were, they, um, they prayed that God would give them uh, a fresh filling and they received boldness, they went out and preached boldly. Their response to a fresh filling was passionate evangelism. In Joel 2, the prophecy we just read, the, the response from God pouring out his spirit on a generation is that your sons and your daughters will prophesy. And then in Acts 10, they actually, you have to, if you read Acts chapter 10, it's like verse 45 through 46, you can kind of read in that area where you actually see somebody in Scripture get baptized in the Holy Spirit. Their immediate response is they speak in tongues. It's interesting to me that all three of those have to do with your mouth. I want to encourage you, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, yield this unruly member. The Scripture calls your tongue the unruly member. It's hard to get a handle on that. Yield it to God. I don't care if that looks like I'm just going to run out of this place and preach boldly. I don't care if it looks like I'm going to prophesy the goodness of God. Or if you feel something like a, a friend of mine happened this past year, they were sitting in a restaurant all by themselves and something began to bubble up inside of them and they kind of didn't know what was going on and they began to pray in tongues for the first time in their life. Whatever that looks like, yield the unruly member. But I, I, I believe it's important that we yield to God. Amen? Can I say that Acts 2 and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on his church is the heart of God for New Life Church in 2021. It's never changed. It was also his heart in 2020. <laughs> but I just want to encourage us, if you're like me, you probably need a fresh touch because last year was interesting. Amen? All right. I want to encourage two groups of people before we have communion. So if you have your crackers at home and your juice or your little thingy, uh, here, get it, get it out and ready. We're get, we'll take communion together in a minute. Two groups of people I want to encourage, and I've already kind of in, encouraged one, is the younger generation. If you're young enough to receive Jesus in your heart as Lord and Savior and turn your life over to him, if you're old enough, I mean to do that, then you're old enough to look at this book and allow it to create hunger in your life. Look, find, read through Acts, read through the epistles, read through the gospels, find something that God did that just stirs your heart up and say, God, would, would, would you do that in me? Begin to imagine, what if God would do that in your life? And I, I want you to let you know that there's an open invitation through the Spirit of God for you to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to overflowing. And then the second group of people I would say is those people that have been around the things of God for many years. And you say, hey, I've been down that road, I've seen this, I've seen that. Maybe you're like myself, it's been a couple decades you've been walking with the Lord. What the world needs to see and what a young generation needs to see are people fully on fire for the things of God. Amen? Amen. Come and burn in my home again, Lord. There's people that are coming to this church that God's just doing it because he's God. He's literally, he's literally burning out of their life addiction. I mean, I think the last three weeks I talked to people like that. I don't know why I'm showing up here. All I know is that God set me free. 
There's so much that the Lord wants to burn out of our lives and set us free to live for him. I just want to encourage, encourage you, whether you, you've never had that experience or you, maybe you've gone down the road a long time ago, that it's a fresh experience for today. Amen? All right. Well, why don't we enjoy a time of communion together? Last service, I forgot to have everybody stand up. I think what I'm going to do is not everyone stand up. Is that okay? Uh, I was reminded that when they had dinner, the Last Supper, nobody stood. They were all sitting. So let's just take a moment. Let's just relax and have a conversation about what God did in communion. See, the Holy Spirit is a gift to the church. What we celebrate in communion is a gift to the world, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And as we kind of take off this little, little cellophane thing and we look at this piece of bread, I want you to do something with your cracker or your bread this morning. And I want you to do what Jesus did, break it. I think it's interesting that, I think every, I could be wrong, but I think every account of communion in the New Testament includes the fact that Jesus broke the bread. And I'm sure there's a, a lofty theological reason why that is. Um, but I, I want to suggest this. I want to suggest that Jesus allowed his physical body to be broken in this sense, right? The Bible actually says that when he was, when he was whipped and scourged, that you could see all of his bones. Technically, none of his bones were broken, but that's a miracle for another day. But he was torn apart into pieces so that his spiritual body, us, could be unified. Isn't that the truth? He took a punishment so that we could take what he deserves. Isn't that good? The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said to his friends, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's eat together. And as you're kind of chewing on that, take a look around and recognize that we together are the body of Christ. If you're online, take a look at the people that are online with you and recognize that we're not individually the body of Christ. We are together the body of Christ. His body was broken to pre present a unified bride. That's what he's going after, a unified church. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup and he said these words. He looked at his friends and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he returns. This, is, this represents the ultimate gift. This represents the gift that he gave to the world, which is that we get to come into right relationship with God because he laid down his life for us. So Lord Jesus, tonight, today, we just thank you for the gift. We thank you for the gift of salvation. We thank you for the gift of the pouring out of your Holy Spirit. We thank you, God, for all that you provide, all that you are. Lord, as we just drink this cup together, we just rejoice and are excited about the fact that you love us so much that you gave your life for us. Let's drink together. As we close out, I want to encourage you to do two things. First, I want to encourage you to read Acts chapter 2 this week. Come prepared next week. You'll be right there with me. And we're going to talk about why that 
what this explosion of the Holy Spirit did in the church and how it affects us now. And secondly, if there's any part of you that connected with the idea that I, I'm ready for a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit, whether you're here, you're in another one of our rooms, or you're at home, would you just do me a favor and just put your hand on your heart? I just want to pray for you. Don't need to pray, just have a drink. Just imagine yourself drinking in the presence of the Lord. Father, I thank you this morning that you have a gift for your church in the person of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that the Holy Spirit would move in power, that your Holy Spirit would come like a mighty rushing river, like your word says, that it would just begin to bubble up inside of people and bring refreshing and renewal for 2021. Lord, I pray that things that are behind us would be behind us. I pray that things that may look mountainous in front of us, they would be brought low by the power of your word. Lord, I pray that Jesus would be glorified and that your Holy Spirit would flow in and through your church this day and forever in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Have a great week, guys.